Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's 5 o'clock. It's 5 o'clock on the most listened to sports talk show for your ride home. What? what? It is time for the Falcons Report. <laughs> Whoa! Guns it. Caught! Touchdown Atlanta in the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! You shall not pass! The 5 o'clock Falcons Report. Oh, my heaven! The 5 o'clock Falcons Report is brought to you by Jack Daniels. Make it count. Jack Daniels. Please drink responsibly. And sponsored by MD Anderson Cancer Center on Dukes and Bell. We are Dukes and Bell. We start off every day and every hour by saying, hey, man. We hope you're having a great Friday. Thanks to Steve Coonan for coming on the show, Hawk CEO as we've been talking a lot about the Hawks, and we will continue to talk about this story because it is something that they've got to get figured out. And part of this has to do with off-the-court stuff. Part of it has to do with on-the-court stuff. We're going to talk about all of that coming up here in less than 20 minutes. Stay tuned. We will tell you what we know. But right now, let's say good afternoon to Dave Archer, who joins us on the WadeFord.com hotline. Arch, officially the offseason, and I think Mike and I are both curious, where do we start? What are... Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot going to do as we get this offseason started? And how is it different from when they first got here? Well, I think, first of all, uh, guys, good good to be with you guys again as we close out this kind of this this campaign, this 2022 campaign. And uh, I think there were some good things that came out of this thing. There were some things that we're still scratching our head on, and I know you guys are going to be doing that throughout the offseason here. But Obviously, the first thing is is kind of what they described in their press conference, and I know it's a little bit boring, but they've got to evaluate what they did from a personnel standpoint, how that fit to what they did last year, and 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 then how it fit based on what they called. How did they call the games? Could they have made some adjustments there? Did they did they put their guys in the best position possible to play? I know there's the question: Is did Marcus get removed early enough? Mariota, we should Ritter have been in a little bit early, and that'll be a debate that we'll have forever. I think we've got a, a, a decent sample size at the end of the season as to what the young quarterback potentially looks like, how he can handle things. I like what we see there. I know you guys do too. Love the young running back. I think the quarterback or the wide receiver certainly flourished when you changed quarterbacks. There's a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball that seem to to come on, but that'll be what they'll do, guys. Is they're going to really evaluate their own roster. Because there's going to be some guys are going to want to re-sign. Is it Rashawn Evans? Is it Lorenzo Carter? Are there some guys there? Caleb McGarry? There's some guys you need to look at. Do you want to bring those guys back? Does it make sense? Um, from a and, and there was a lot of discussion about who they are and their culture. And so those guys would have a lot to do with potentially how that how that's interpreted and how that's that continues on in the locker room because they were prominent players during the season. So all that is going to have to be evaluated before you really begin to dive into what's out there from a free agency standpoint, we know they have somewhere in the round of $70 million to spend potentially. 
what the draft picks are going to look like. So there's a lot to evaluate within your own building first uh, before you dive into what's going on outside the building. It is our man, the Idaho Rail Splitter. Dave Archer talking about uh, what we do. Where do we go from here? Um, we were talking about the offensive line, and I know I've asked you before, but I'll ask you again. Uh, I, are they satisfied at center well, with the job that was done this year? I know left guard, would you bring Elijah Wilkinson back, and are you satisfied bringing McGarry back? Yeah, I think there's a lot there, Mike, to, to kind of unpack, really. Um, the, the left guard was a rotating scenario because of injury. Um, I, I think Matt Hennessy did some good things when he was plugged in at left guard. Is he big enough to play that spot? It certainly looked like Elijah Wilkinson was a guy that was pretty solid there when he was healthy. And that's where you're concerned is, can he stay on the field? Because we don't need the revolving door at the left guard spot. Drew Dahlman, I thought, did some good things at the center spot. There were times where he looked a bit overmatched when you get the guys like a Vita Vea or somebody like that has the ability to, and Vita Vea is shoving everybody in the backfield, right? He's not just shoving Drew Dahlman in the backfield. But, uh, you know, his pad level, did he play with that? Is that something he can improve on? Caleb McGarry, I thought, did himself a solid, you know, and, and uh, he played with a chip on his shoulder. I thought he did some good things. Now, he had some moments in this last game that were overly glowing, certainly in that first series of downs. I thought he got beat three, two of the first three plays of the game. Uh, so that doesn't necessarily carry into the offseason with a great feeling, but – I thought overall he did some good things in the run game. I thought he improved his pass protection. Uh, so I think it's still, Mike, I still think it's a, it's still an evaluation there. I still think you're looking to upgrade, whether it's the starter or whether it's some depth. I kind of want to know what's going on with the big dog that they have there. Justin Schaefer, the guy that, right. that I think had a chance to kind of get a redshirt year, if you will, in the, in the NFL and learn what the game's all about, learn the system. That's a big body dude that I think could, could plug in there if, in fact, he improved. And that's the part we have to keep uh, keep reminding ourselves. These guys aren't going to stay the same. They're going to they're going to get better or going to get worse, and you mm-hmm. expect them to improve, especially the young players. I expect him to be a better version of himself when we go to camp this next year. It's Dave Archer, guys, talking with us about where this team is and where they are going. Arch, as we start the offseason, I know this may change. What area is most important to address, in your opinion? whether it be free agency or the draft, as we get you know down the road here in a couple of months? Yeah, I'm looking directly, Carl, at the D-line. I think that the D-line uh, was porous, especially when T.Q. Graham went down with injury. I think if you look, you can kind of parallel when the numbers began to increase in the run game. And there were some moments when he was in the game where they had some run issues in the interior. But I think when he went down – I thought the rotation got thinner. I didn't think they were quite as good at, at stopping the run from the interior. I thought that, you know, there were some moments on the edge. I think Adi Ogandeji continues to learn uh, the edge play, and I thought he got pinned to the inside a number of times in the run game. Uh, but that's my biggest concern is being able to stop the run. I think you got to force teams into third down situations that are uncomfortable. Atlanta was not very good on defense on third down, and and, and mainly is because they were comfortable third down situations. You didn't force a number of enough third and long situations. And the only way you get there is to be able to stop the run on first and second down. So you can force them into third and long situations. I thought the defense was pretty good in the red zone. And I thought that was their glowing area that they kept the scores down. Mike, you've talked about that a number of times where the score was in uh, uh, an amenable situation, right. if you will, where you had a chance to win at the end but you didn't do enough to give your offense more offensive possessions. 
and that means getting off the field on third down. I think that starts with the ability to stop the run and then generate pass rush from the interior. We know Grady's a problem, but is there a guy opposite him that's a problem that creates one-on-one opportunities for those guys coming off the edge? All those things kind of tie together. So that's where I would go first, Carl, is I would look at the defensive line. And I know that uh, in this day's NFL art, you're in the nickel so much, or dime in some cases, but do, do you want, do you have a preference with this personnel? Because it seems like with the one-year contracts and the rookies, we could flip it to a base 4-3, and it really wouldn't affect if, if they go with a D.C. that wants to do that. Yeah, I think that, Mike, that we get caught up in, in what we are, a 3-4, a 4-3, and, and nobody's really anything anymore. It's an amoeba style of defense where – I think you, you've got a hybrid guy standing up on the outside that can rush the passer, whether that's a, a, a T.J. Watt or whether it's a Lorenzo Carter or whoever it might be. So I think that the base defenses are a little bit of a dinosaur now because of just what you suggested, 65 66% of the time, you're in a nickel set anyway, so it's a four-down line. There was a number of times Dean Pease had five linebackers on the field in a base defense. So what do you call that? You know, so... I think that from a from a trying to describe what we are from a base scenario really doesn't apply anymore because most of these defenses are very very hybrid in style anyway. Arch, uh, coaching staff standpoint, <clears throat> what other changes do you think might be made, if any, uh, and and how does that look this off season? Well, certainly, Carl, you got to address the defensive coordinator situation with Dean stepping away, and, and and I know you guys have a lot of reverence for Dean, as I do. I think that the guy did a heck of a job. This is a guy he brought out of retirement to come out, come out and try to help this defense, and I thought there were some good things they did, and I think there's some things they're going to building blocks that Dean Pease put in put in place that they'll be able to build off of from a from a culture standpoint. Certainly, red zone defense was one that I point to. Um, good man, a guy that uh, was a was kind of a, a gritty, hard-nosed guy. And I think you saw your defense play for four quarters. Whether it worked out for us and we won the game or not, uh, those that was a group that I think we took a lot of pride in from Falcon fans. It, you, all of a sudden, you got a four-quarter team. You weren't giving things up. It was a team that fought to the finish, and Dean has a lot to do with that. So how do you build on that? Do you find a guy that's a, that established guy like a Brian Flores that has some some of those principles that he comes in and can and, and can shape the defense in a in a in another way where they're better on third down and they're a little bit better against the pass, um, or is it a guy that's an up and comer like a Gerard Mayo? I know Mayo. I know there's been a lot of conversation about New England trying to to shore up and make sure Gerard Mayo is signed, but he's a guy that's getting a lot of a lot of ink as well. So um, I think there's a, that's the number one thing you're going to try to do, and I think the Falcons will take their time. Maybe they. And maybe they promote Frank Bush with an end. You know, Frank Bush is a guy that's been around and knows the system, and you could you could bring in another coach. So there's going to be a lot of discussion about what's going on at defensive coordinator. Edge rush, corner. I mean, I know we got about 30 seconds left, Arch, but I mean, I, we got a lot of time to see the combine shake out and all the evaluations. But I mean, is if you had to do one thing, I think most Falcon fans say, man, we haven't been in the pass rush business consistently in about 15 years. Well, Mike, it's going to be about addressing the entire group. And, and to me, it's the defensive tackle position. Mm. Right now, Deron Payne, Dalvin Tomlinson, somebody that's a big body dude that can create problems on the interior is a guy I'm looking at. Right. Um, yeah, there's going to be a few edge guys, but I would look interior right now. Great stuff. Arch, have a great weekend, man. We appreciate you all season long. Looking forward to our visits in the offseason as we see how this team gets better. 
Thanks, fellas. Any way you can get the Hawks to play some defense in the fourth quarter, that'd be great. Figure that one out for me. <laughs> yeah, we're trying. Trust us. It's Dukes Thanks, and Bell. Bill. Sports Radio 929 the game. That's Dave Archer. All right, speaking of the Hawks, we are going to dive in. We're going to tell you everything about everything about everything. If you've not heard anything, stay right there. It's Dukes and Bell. The strong arm story of the day is brought to you by John Foyt Associates Personal Injury Law. When there is an article entitled Inside the End of the Travis Schlink Era in Atlanta, the new power structure and how it's impacting the team, you got to read it. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. I want to take you guys back. That article is by Sam Amick, and he joined us to start the show today. In the summer, there were rumors about Travis Slink potentially stepping down in his current role. Now, a lot of people in basketball circles were saying, why, what's going on, and we really didn't know. Now we do, because according to Sam Amick, Mike, this stemmed from the trade of DeJounte Murray and the power structure, which is completely changed with inside of the Hawks organization. Yeah, and I know that there's a lot to unpack. I know that not everybody subscribes to The Athletic, but, man, it's, it's an unbelievable read. In essence, guys, uh, we learned that uh, Tony Ressler's son, Nick, who's 27, uh, is involved in some of this, or at least he certainly got a voice in the room. And based on the article, uh, Rick Buecher originally reported that the effect on the decision-making process played a big part that led to Schlenk leaving. So, in other words, if it was everything from the DeJounte Murray trade. Now, I'm, I presume that Landry Fields maybe saw which way the wind was blown and aligned himself. Again, purely speculative on my part. Maybe aligned himself with that side of the uh, of the of the deal because it sounds like Schlenk thought it was just too much to give up for DeJounte Murray, as you outlined earlier. Now, I like trusting guys that have done it. I'm a big guy on experience. You've never cut my yard. You go, Mr. Duke's going to cut your yard. I go, how many yards have you cut? Well, I've never cut a yard. Well, you're probably going to jack my yard up. And I trust guys who've done it like Travis Slink. And so, Mike, disagreements happen within an organization. It happens all the time. But this was so much, so overbearing Mm -hmm. that he decided I probably need to step away or step away and step down or however you want to phrase it. And then there are other people who don't have that kind of experience in the room saying, we need to do this. It sets your organization on a course for disaster, folks. I'm just telling you. And I hope the Hawks figure this out. I hope that I hope I'm wrong. I hope in three years we're talking about championships and all the things we dream about. But I want you to think about where we are. Mike, we're barely 500. We've got guys missing games in and out and still have not put this thing together. Our two stars have not meshed. Maybe because Travis was on to something. Also, now who's making the major decisions to change this team and put us back on course? Right. I mean, you've got a general manager who's only got about five months' experience, you know, in Landry Fields. We brought in Kyle Corver as an assistant GM. They've upgraded him. He was working in player personality. He had done similar with the Nets. But there's still a tremendous lack of experience as far as these kinds of decisions. You know, the other thing is, if Nick Ressler – Turns out to be an NBA savant. We can all sit there and go, awesome. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. He's, he'll make some great decisions. But everything we've done since he apparently got more involved has been a disaster. And I'm telling you guys, my first reaction when I see this, I hate to see when the kid thinks he can get in the family business. Other than the Maras and the Roonies and Jeannie Buss and maybe Jim Ursay, this generally doesn't work well when you think you can muscle in into the family business and you can make these kinds of decisions. I know he's got people involved who thinks they know something about the NBA, but Travis Schlenk, guys, as bad as it was last year at the end, 
Travis Schlenk took this team as far as it's ever gotten. Maybe, maybe a win or a trip on a ref's foot away from going to the NBA Finals, and he's no longer involved in the decision-making. And we see through the article that apparently Nick, the uh, son of the owner, has got a relationship with Trey. So now you undercut your, your head coach. Because if you're buddy-buddy with the owner's son, how are you going to tell this guy what to do on any level? So let's talk about that. Because I know many of you listening right now say, well, Dukes and Bell is Coach Nate. It's Nate, Nate, Nate. And I've been critical of Nate. I was there in Brooklyn game when he didn't call the timeout with seven seconds to play, and I criticized him. And then DJ came at me and said, it's not his fault, it's my fault. Here's what Sam Emick had to say about Nate McMillan and how much is he responsible for with all of this going on behind the scenes. Is it his fault? This is what Sam said to us. I think it contextualizes it, and I think that – you know, I mean, there's one thing, and we've, we've written about it, talked about it in the past. It was not really a big part of this story. As it relates to Nate, you know, I would highlight the fact that, that if you're a head coach and you have a prominent franchise centerpiece player like Trey Young, um, you know, who, at least in the past, was known to be pretty tight with the owner's son, uh, I think in the coaching ranks around the league, there, there has for some time been a sense that, that Nate would have a tricky time you know, really connecting and holding Trey accountable in terms of the way he wants to run the team, uh, you know, because of these power dynamics, again, that, that existed within the franchise. And, and there was this sense, you know, uh, fair or not. And again, I, you know, Nick, I'm sure is feeling like some of this stuff is unfair, but like that, that Trey's ability to, to kind of circumvent, you know, whether it's his coach, whether it's the front office, whether it's anything that, that his, uh, his, his kind of rapport with Nick was was making it tricky on some of the other team officials, Nate among them. So, yeah, I think that context should be part of the Nate conversation. And then Nate in general. I mean, the other, again, we've had a few Hawks pieces recently, but, like, you know, like nobody expects Nate to be around after this season. Um, you know, there's, there's very, very strong signs that the Hawks are already, you know, deciding what they want to do on that front. Uh, and so uh, – you know, I don't think he's going to step down largely because that would cost him a lot of money and he's a smart guy. Great. So word on the street is we've got a lame duck coach. Why do players listen to a guy that's not going to be there? Right. And if I can't hold my star accountable, I want you guys to remember that whole thing that you thought we made a big deal of. Oh, Trey wasn't there at the game, man. It's not a big deal. How are you supposed to be a guy that wants to coach your star in a certain way when, Mike, he can, as Sam said, circumvent the situation? Hey, man, I'm buddies with uh, owner's son, so you pound sand. I'm taking, hey, Nate, I'm, I'm going to go get some therapy. I won't be at the game tonight. I'm sorry? I, you know, I got some, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not going to be on the No, I, I need you either at practice or I need you at the game. No, Nick said I don't have to go. Who? What's that? That's no, what this, we're talking this about. This is where we're at, guys. This is where it's at. Okay, and, and I know that some of you guys get all in your bag when we talk about athletes because I know some of you guys, you know, they, oh, the athlete's beyond reproach. We need a superstar to show leadership, not to be a reluctant superstar. And then the other thing in this article, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff in here from Sam Amick in The Athletic about the Hawks. DeJounte Murray's like, what the did I sign up for? <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, man, you know, you got trade rumors every day about John Collins. You got the trade dynamic with Nate. He was in San Antonio where win or lose, it was pretty freaking smooth. And now he comes in here and it's drama city. we got more drama than Prince Harry and Meghan right now. That's a lot. Superstar. That's a lot of drama. So, in review, a general manager thought it was too much to ask to get DeJounte in here. And I want to I jump in here. 
I don't know if he was wrong. There are only about four or five guys in the league that I'm giving up three first-round picks for. I'm just telling you. And the reason is because I'm, I'll give you an example. We trade tomorrow for Giannis, and we give up three first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Giannis makes us a championship team right. immediately, just with everything he brings. There are very few guys, LeBron in his prime. I'm right. giving up three first-round picks. Who are you? There, there's very few guys, Mike, so I'm not telling you he was wrong, but it's not DJ's fault that they can't coexist right now right. because of the way Trey plays and right. the way DJ plays. Yeah, it sounds great. Look, we were all excited. If you take it back to when this dropped during the summer, you and I was like, holy cow, we're going to have the most dynamic backcourt in the NBA. No, we don't. It hasn't worked. It's not working. Now, some of that's on Nate. Now he decides to use him and what minutes they get at the same time. But you're right. Unless it's Joel Embiid or Luca or a guy like, you Wait, know. Wait, five guys. Jason Tatum. Come on. Yeah, I mean, there's that many guys you're going to unload. And, and, and the thing, too, is many of you didn't even know who DJ was before he made right. the trade. Right. So it wasn't like he was an elite superstar. He was an all-star, yeah. but he was an elite superstar. Yeah, he, he was close to a triple. I don't want to discount all he does. No, but, I don't but, either. But, his but, three but point that shoot, argument right. was fair. No, and as to the point, his three-point shooting has not been as advertised so far. And Trey's, Trey's Trey. This thing is a soap opera, guys. This is a real disaster, and we need tough decisions to be made. Otherwise, if we stay on the course, we're going to finish 38 wins. 38 wins, and maybe we sniff the play-in. All right, we're going to come back. I'm going to let you hear what Sam Emick had to say about why this can turn around for us. Because as bad as it seems, it's not all bad when you've got guys on the team who still believe that they can get the job done. We'll let you hear it coming up on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Do your head like this. Come on. (laughs) You know you're doing it right now. It's Dukes and Bell. Uh, Lots of folks hitting us up today. A lot of our listeners. Come on. Listen, we, (laughs) our listeners are like freaking out about some of this stuff. When it comes to the Hawks, and we're talking about uh, Sam Amick, who came on from The Athletic today, and we're talking about this. We'll get more into the NFL playoffs coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. We're done at 6.30, guys, because the Hawks do take on the Pacers tonight. By the way, Trey looks like he'll play. He's not listed to be not playing tonight, which is good news, considering you know we didn't have him for the Bucks and, and we almost won. Chicken soup for the soul, man. I hope so. But, Mike, you know, a lot of guys are just wondering now, how do we get out of this? And what I mean by that is how do we play better, all right, on any given night? Who makes the decisions? You just heard Steve Coonan. If you didn't, Steve Coonan said today he expects us to be active at the trade deadline. That's February 9th, okay, right. if you're wondering. But he said there will be a lot of stuff out there because now all, of the th- all these things about the team are out there. Well, of course. So you're going to have teams maneuvering to use the Hawks and say, mm-hmm. yep, we're trading. And by the way, the J.C. thing is still alive. I do not think that has gone away. I, I still think that is very relevant when you talk about this team. 
But with all of that said, how do we get better on the floor? And then how do you figure out whatever power structure this is? I want you to hear Sam Amick talk about this. We asked him about Nick Ressler real quick, uh, Turtle. What is the power structure? Is he the guy in the room making the decisions? Tony's 27-year-old son. Sam Amick. It's not quite that simple at all. Um, it's, 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 I, and admittedly, for, for our jobs, like I love these dynamics fascinate me endlessly because, you know, you call them palace intrigue, call it power dynamics. Um, I do think, to your question, there's some nuance there. No, he's not running the show. Uh, he has uh, a voice. He has a lot of influence. And I think one of the things a lot of times that influential people, and not to, to pick on Nick at all, but I think, you know, he'd be a little more vulnerable to this if you were a younger influential person, mm-hmm. is is that people are smart, right? And so they figure out who's got the juice. And, and when you are the owner's son, that's going to come with uh, a lot of inevitable juice, especially if you're actually part of the group. And so what I have learned and what I think happens a lot in terms of their dynamics is that, um, you know, sure, you might, the Hawks might want to get defensive and say he just has a voice, except that people in that room tend to gravitate towards, well, if, if, if Nick and Tony feel this way, you know, what does that mean for my future with this franchise if I go against that? Um, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, look at Schlenk's kind of fate here, um, you know, Nick, to clarify this, it was in the story, but I think to be fair, like on the Murray trade, like, I mean, Nick was by no means the only guy who wanted it. Most of the room, if not the rest of the room, wanted that trade other than Travis. So talking about the power structure, it is not solely Nick Ressler making these decisions, nor should it be. And I don't think it was that way even when Travis was there. You throw this around, but at the end of the day, Mike, this is why you have titles. Terry Fontenot is going to ask a bunch of questions to his scouting staff, his assistants, all these people, Coach Art. But guess what? If he screws it up and gets it wrong, we know the GM made the selection. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I get the collaboration, but this is why you have the title of general manager or VP of player personnel or whatever it might be. So you can get all of that. That's normal. But we can't have one guy who – who has no basketball experience, or three guys that have no basketball experience in building franchises, making those decisions. And uh, Rick Buecher, uh, in case you're wondering where this came from, Sam Amick uh, in the article basically says that around the NBA, everyone's known that Schlenk has been out, that Schlenk has not been involved in anything since the summer. And Rick Buecher put it out there earlier and confirmed to The Athletic that Nick Ressler's effect on decision-making played the part in Schlenk moving out. And then if you heard him earlier, he said, look, he said when someone gets Jews, people realize that's who you gravitate to. So I think you could read into that that perhaps our general manager, Landry Fields, realized, okay, this is the way the wind's blowing and align my, myself with that way of thinking. Either way, guys, no matter how you t- break it down to its base, it's a mess. You need big decisions to be made. You need difficult decisions with a guy. Now, Travis, I know last year things got off the rails between the injuries and everything else. Yep. Trey kind of set the tone by saying, ah, the regular season's kind of boring, and then the rest was history. But this is where you need a guy who built the team that took you to the highest heights, not a relatively inexperienced general manager and an owner's son who may fancy himself a personnel guy. What are you doing with Nate? What kind of trades are you making? Some people feel, as you said earlier, you know, Schlenk thought it was a little too much, too much to give away. For nothing. DeJounte is a hell of an NBA player, but that was still too rich. And these are the guys that are going to be making the decisions moving forward. And we got the trade deadline coming up in, what, a month? A month. All right, let's hear about why there's still hope. This is what I love about John Collins. I love this about, about J.C., or not J.C., but uh, D.J. They're professionals. 
They still want to win. They still want to go out and put their best foot forward. And Sam Amick pointed that out to us about, mm-hmm. hey, Hawks fans, it may be like, whoa, okay, you're catching me off guard, but all of this. But guess what? We still have guys that feel like we can still reach our potential. I, I mean, personally, I, well, you know, shoot, Hawks fans that are down in the dumps today, you know, we can, I got no problem ending it on a, on a you know, kind of an optimistic note. Uh, the players I talked to, and, and Trey's conversation, that was pretty brief, and he clearly wasn't really loving it. Um, but, like, DeJounte and John, given the context of their individual situations, I was kind of struck by their level of focus. Uh, even DeJounte, I loved his perspective on leadership. I think he's a good one. Um, and, I, you know, John had a good attitude, even though he's in the trade rumors. You know, I asked him point blank, do you think you guys can reach your ceiling? And he said, absolutely, we're talented. And that's the irony, right, of the whole front office fallout, mm. is that the players themselves look at the roster and say, man, we got a lot of talent, you know. Um, so, I mean, they, I think they can get there. The offense has been puzzling, obviously, uh, because, you know, they go from second last year to 22nd this year in offensive rating. You know, that's a problem. And, and so it, it, that's the tricky part about having Trey Young is that he's a little bit like Luca, not to bring up a name that Hawks fans hate hearing about, <laughs> but like these, you know, these guys who are the fulcrum of what their offenses do and the usage rate's extremely high. Um, you know, DeJounte's been a tough fit next to him. They got to get better offensively, even more so than defensively at this point. But I think they're better than, than their record right now for sure. All right, so that's uh, where you hope things get rolling. Uh, you've mentioned it a lot, and fans, fans have picked up on it. We're really tough in the front court right now. I know we picked up Derek Favors to help until Capella gets back, yeah. but we got issues there. But the, the, at the core of this, though, you know, you, Nate is a lame duck coach by any by any definition. Lame is a lame duck coach. Trey can do whatever he wants right now with basically impunity and want to play doesn't play. Is he going to follow what Nate's directing as far as half court? Everything we thought this was going to be has not happened. So how are you going to – and then John Collins goes, I like what John does. I never really got my head around that contract because I've always felt if you're going to give him that money, Nate's got to design stuff for him, which I right. really do. Yeah. If John pops for a big night, it's usually because he's having a big night rebounding or maybe the pick and roll is working. True enough. Um, the, the bigger thing moving forward, and especially if you're going to keep DJ here, Sam Amick mentioned, you know, in two seasons, he's going to have the option to walk. And if this thing is still not right, why stay? And he basically, in the article, says, I was not expecting all this drama when I signed up, when I, when I signed off on the trade. Sure. Box. Yeah. So I think that is something you got to get figured out as well, as those guys need to play better together. Mm. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. 404-741-0929. We'd love to hear from you on our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. We're going to come back. We're going to talk NFL playoffs in the 6 o'clock hour because it's wild card weekend. And there is news about a coach in the NFL who's made a decision. We'll tell you what it is coming up on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 